0: Well, we're starting a new series today. If you've got your Bible, uh, I'd love you to turn to the book of Jude. It's right at the end, Revelation, the one before, very small little letter. And this series we're starting is it's called Waiting. And today I'm gonna be looking at quite a lot of Bible verses with you. I make no apology for that. It's good to get the the word inside us. The the prophet Jeremiah said, eat this book, get it into you. And that's what we're gonna do today. Most of the verses will appear on the screen, hopefully. Jude 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. I don't know how good you are at waiting. Uh, Personally, to be honest with you, it, it totally depends. Little things, I am completely horrendous at waiting. Waiting for an appointment or a meeting or something to happen, I I pace, I'm restless, I'm completely terrible. Bigger things, however, I um, realise I'm kind of much better at that. Hannah and I worked this out the other day that in our married life, we've been married 15 years now, in our married life we have spent just over 30% of that time, you can do the maths, waiting for house moves, either trying to sell our house or having sold our house and bought a new one waiting to move, years and years and years. Lots of us spend our lives waiting, don't we? Waiting, of course, looks different in different circumstances. There is a a difference, I guess, in, in kind of waiting for something that you know is going to come, like your birthday or Christmas or whatever, and waiting for something that you hope is going to come, but you're not exactly sure, like results or something. I guess there's also a difference between uh, waiting for specific things and waiting for general things when you're not really sure exactly what it is that you are waiting for. For lots of us right now, that kind of is life, isn't it? We're we're waiting for this to all be over. We're waiting for COVID-19 to end. We're waiting, as we just prayed for, for a vaccine. We're waiting for normal life to resume. But truthfully we don't know exactly what that means or exactly what it looks like not properly anyway now some things of course are a bit more tangible kind of being able to meet again out beyond groups of six being able to see grandparents being uh, able to watch sport live in the flesh again being able to stay in the pub past 10 o'clock although of course if you're a christian that's not really a problem is it let's be honest but even those things are not so straightforward are they Many of us at the moment, there's kind of that sense of that feeling that life sort of hit pause way back in March when lockdown happened. And we kind of thought that life would sort of be unpaused by now and we would sort of be able to get on with it all again. Whilst kind of that's happened, it's not fully, has it? It's not really sort of fully unpaused. We're still waiting. And waiting for things that we're not quite sure about, in a funny sort of way, is actually rather quite tiring not necessarily physically tiring, but just sort of, I don't know, internally, like emotionally, spiritually even, it's just a bit draining, a bit tiring. And it's into this context that I want to speak today and we're going to address over these next few weeks. Truthfully, we don't like waiting, do we? Waiting in our culture is completely abnormal. It's kind of, we're used to things happening when we want, how we want, and at the speed we want delays to our plans come and we get kind of frustrated. And then often we end up kind of questioning kind of God's wisdom or God's love and we sort of view God through the lens of our circumstances rather than the other way around. We just become a bit weary and a bit sort of meh. Our natural impulse is so often to try and make something happen when we're waiting. We try and engineer something or we try to do something. Kind of depending on our personality, that will look different. We all have different personalities and so different tendencies when sort of we get frustrated with waiting. Some people withdraw, just kind of think, well, it's easier just to stay out of the way. Some people do the opposite. They begin to kind of push doors and think, well, it must be time for a change. New job, new house, new church, whatever it might be. Some people kind of give up and... Some people get distracted by other things. Some people get really active and really very very busy most of us if we're honest don't wait very well because well we don't like waiting we find it tedious we so often think of waiting as something negative just we have to do it it's rubbish but a biblical understanding of waiting is actually a much more positive thing there's an awful lot of waiting in the Bible. The word is used an awful lot. All those stories that are retold in our children's Bible, they involve lots of waiting, 40 years here or 25 years there or in prison for 13 years there. Waiting, waiting, waiting. And as we read through Scripture, we're going to just explore some now, we, we see that sometimes the waiting is about us. It's about learning patience and contentment when we're not happy, look at Psalm thirty-seven, seven: "Be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for Him." Lamentations three, twenty-six: "It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord." Sometimes waiting is waiting for God to act rather than rushing ahead and taking matters into our own hands. Proverbs twenty, twenty-two: "Don't say I'll reap; I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord." And he will deliver you. Sometimes waiting, actually, is just asserting trust in God himself. It's declaring a trust in him. It's, Lord, all around me, there's this happening that happening, this going on, that going on. And now, O oh Lord, for what do I wait? Psalm 39:7, my hope is in you. In the Old Testament, we also see there is a celebration of waiting patiently for the Lord. It's a very good thing. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up, the next verse says, and lifted me out of the slimy pit. Also, we see in the Old Testament, there are lots of promises for those who do wait. Very famous verse, Isaiah 40, verse 31. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. What's really quite clear as we read through the Bible is we see that waiting is a normal part of faith. It reflects an understanding that the God we follow is a God who acts for those Who wait for him. Look at Isaiah 64. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Now, there is, of course, a sense when you look at the Old Testament that it's all about waiting. The whole of the Old Testament's about waiting. It's waiting for Jesus to arrive. But waiting in the Bible is not limited just to the Old Testament. The New Testament is full of waiting too. Jesus has come once, but he's coming again. And the whole of the New Testament is framed with this in mind. We are not an earthbound people. This is not all there is. We are a heavenly people. We belong not to this world, but to the next. We are in it, but not of it. And so now look at these verses. We live waiting. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7. So you are not lacking any gift. We're not lacking any gift. We don't lack anything as we wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Titus 2.13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.28, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, he's done that, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. You know, the church has endured 2,000 plus years now of waiting. This is who we are. This is how we live. Waiting, while strange and uncomfortable in our culture, is, is nothing new for the Christian. In fact, it's partly in our waiting that we are connected to the global church throughout all of history. Look at Romans chapter 8 with me, verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. You know, this is who we are. We are a a people waiting eagerly for the redemption of all things. Everything's messed up and we're eagerly waiting for it to be made right. We need to gain a sense of perspective for a moment. Yes, this is difficult. Yes, for many, this is a time of anxiety and uncertainty and confusion. Definitely for many people, it's a time of real frustration. But it's a time... It's a moment in time. And it's very earthbound. It's not really going to matter very much in 10,000 years' time. And Paul tells us here in Romans 8 to keep an eternal perspective because that really helps us. This won't last forever. Waiting is okay, we can wait. Now, truthfully, of course, part of the frustration of waiting is that we can't see what's going on. Most of us wish that we could see things that our eyes just cannot see. So when we need help, we kind of wish that we really could see God and his army of angels coming to our aid. How much easier would that be? Or when we pray, we really wish we could see Jesus sitting there, attentively listening, writing it down and taking it to the Father. Or when we seek forgiveness, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could really see God blotting it out of his book, just literally wiping it and erasing it, and you think, look, it's not not there anymore, it'd be so much easier. Or when we think of eternity, we kind of wish we could see what what it's going to look like, what God has in store for us, because it would make waiting for it much easier. We wish we could see the end because it would make that everything so much easier, right? If we could just see the unseen, how much easier would it be to have the assurance in our hope? And yet, back to Romans 8, those verses we just looked at. See, Paul, just in these verses, gently chides us. Look at verse 24. "'For in this hope we were saved. "'Now hope that is seen is not hope. "'For who hopes for what he sees?' But if we have hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let me read that verse again, verse 25. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with it for it with patience. So how do we live waiting with patience? Well, back to Jude for a moment. Jude, in this very short letter, issues a call to hold on in faith to faith in Jesus. Hold on to it. And he encourages us to look after both ourselves and look out for those who are likely to be drawn away uh, from the gospel because they're in danger of listening to things contrary to the gospel. And look at verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith. We need to learn to build ourselves up. The image right there is it's a very simple one. It's the image of a building that's not yet finished. We know that the foundations are in, they're there, they're secure. We know that God's the master builder who will complete the work that he has started. He's promised that. But these verses are meant to encourage us that we have a part to play in the process. They don't mean, well, just sit back. God's started it. He'll see it through. You don't have to do anything. God's got it all covered. No, no, no. They're meaning we are to take responsibility for building ourselves up in faith. When we read the Bible, we see that there is a connection between waiting with patience and faith. Paul, when he writes to the church in, in Thessalonica, they're going through some really, really tough times. And yet at the beginning of 2 Thessalonians 1, he compliments them. He says, your faith is growing abundantly. It's getting bigger. Yes, life is tough, but look, your faith is growing. You're waiting with patience and you're, you are growing. You are maturing. The writer of of Hebrews, Hebrews 6 verse 12, encourages his readers to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Those who through faith and patience, they're the ones who inherit the promises. There is a connection between patience, waiting, and faith. And we know from elsewhere in Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we need to be building up our faith. And truthfully, that's really very easy when life's good, when everything's going well, isn't it? But when it's not, when life's confusing, when it's frustrating, when it's troubling, when it's difficult, well, that's when faith is tested. That's when patience is tested. And waiting with faith, Displaying patience when we're impatient is the appropriate posture for someone who understands that God is sovereign and I'm not. And I've got to take responsibility to build up my faith. So have you. It's not someone else's job or someone else's responsibility. I can't subcontract this out to someone else and get someone else to do the building for me. Nor can I blame other people for what they did do or didn't do or should do or shouldn't do or could have done or couldn't have done. I have to build up my faith. And sometimes that means for me, it means deliberately humbling myself before God and being patient for his timing. It also means choosing sanctification, choosing to allow God to grow me in this period, because it's often in waiting for God, often in waiting for His answer and for His deliverance, that we actually grow in character, that we grow to be more like Jesus. That's the studio falling apart where I am, if you heard a little crash in the background. God is committed to making us the people He wants us to be. And we can choose to be patient. We can choose to be part of the process of transformation. See, waiting on the Lord means not giving up and trusting his good purposes in his good time. And part of the key to that is verse 20, look, praying in the Holy Spirit. See, as we wait, it's so, so very important that we continue to do the things that connect us to God and to the body of Christ rather than wither on the vine by ourselves. So we pray, we read the Bible, we participate in fellowship, we participate in community, we don't back off even when we don't feel like it. And this is really, really very important. I'll be honest with you, I had that experience just this very week. I'd had a rubbish couple of days at the beginning of the week, some difficult stuff going on, and I was... Tuesday night was community night. The community i of meets on a Tuesday. And I, I'll be honest with you, I really did not want to attend. I was just kind of umming and ahhing with dropping that message saying things are a bit busy, really. Sorry, I can't make it tonight. And then I thought, no, I need to go. I should set an example. It's good for me to go. I said I was going to go. So I tried to log in and had that moment in Zoom where there was a problem. And I was like, woohoo, I don't have to meet. Oh, well, technical problems mean I can't do it. So I dropped a message to the leader and just said, can't log in and they sent me another link. And I managed to log in. What I thought, to be honest, was great, this is an excuse, I I need a night off. What I really needed was a night in with brothers in Christ. What I really needed was what I actually experienced. Fellowship and community, I was encouraged, I was fed, I was built up, I reconnected with some people. One guy I hadn't seen for a little while, we ended up going for a coffee a couple of days later. I was built up. It did me good in that moment. It encouraged me, it lifted my eyes, lifted my soul. If you're a bloke looking for a community, I just want to commend Man in the Mirror to you. It's a great community to be part of. But the point is this, every single one of us struggles at times. All of us struggle, different ways, different seasons, different moments with different things. And even though we may struggle, we stand firm with the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. He is our helper. He is our encourager. He is our comforter. And learning to walk by the Spirit means many things, but one big thing I really do think it means is learning to make wise decisions that put us into places and into contexts that are good for us, that enables the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. Don't back off. Press in. Look at verse 21. We'll finish with this. Keep yourselves in the love of God waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Keep yourselves in the love of God. You see, your life from beginning to end, it's marked by the love of God. I need to remind myself, keep my eyes, as Reuben was encouraging us earlier, keep my eyes on Jesus, keep my eyes on God. He's the one that I'm waiting for. Not his rewards, not his answers, as good as they are, but God himself. So often we get that confused. The, the most wonderful thing about being a Christian is that God gives us himself. Yes, he gives us stuff, gifts and answers to prayer. It's wonderful. But more wonderful than that, he gives us himself. We have a relationship with Him. him. So keep your eyes on him. Not the things we receive from him, as good as they are. Keep your eyes on him. Don't view God through the lens of your circumstances, that when they're good, he must be good. No, no, no. We need to view our circumstances through the lens of God. He's always good. And so no matter what it might look like around me, it's all good because he is, and I'm secure in his love. See, our joy is in having God. He's the treasure next to which everything else pales in in comparison. Our joy comes from him, not from our circumstances. Jesus tells us in in Luke 12 that we are waiting for him and to be included in his great eternal feast is the greatest thing that anyone could ever know. And when we focus on what it costs Jesus to include us, When we remind ourselves of the gospel, how he bled and died in my place, and then how he rose to new life, and now how he's credited the fullness of that new life to me, that gives me perspective, and it produces in me joy. Some of us are in danger of having our joy robbed right now because we're getting confused. We're frustrated with circumstances, so we think a change in them will bring about the thing that that we're looking for. It won't, but Jesus will. Some of us at the moment are feeling disconnected from church. You just gotta ask ourselves, why, why is that? Like, of course, I understand we're missing the gathered body of church. I'm missing that too. But we can still see people, we can still have fellowship with people, we still build community. We've gotta learn how to do it within the rules and all the rest of it. We can still participate, can still worship, we can still. Do all those things, we have to learn how to do it differently, and of course, more importantly than anything, there is nothing that can disconnect us from God. Nothing can separate us from him. What actually many of us are feeling, and what we 're missing is an outlet to use the gifts that God has given you we're kind of used to how to this is how I do my christian life and god 's given me these gifts, and here 's how I use them to for the building up of the body in this context or that context, and that 's gone now and so We're feeling a bit sort of all over the place, a bit disconnected. I completely understand that. I feel and understand the frustration. And part of the answer to that is to find new ways to serve God with the gifts that he has given you, new ways to serve the body. It might actually be an opportunity to serve a different part of the body with your gifts now. We've got the meeting tonight to look at how we can serve our kids. This may be an opportunity to use all those gifts well, I don't want to be on a kid's team. It's not about that. It's about using the gifts that God has given you to serve a different part of the body right now. Or how can you do it in a, in a different way? How can you teach and encourage and exhort and use spiritual gifts in a, in a slightly different way? Some of us are missing that sense of prophesying in that context. We're doing a mission-shaped living course right now. How about an opportunity now to use those gifts in a different way, step out and prophesy over people out there? It takes on a whole new thing, but it's not Impossible we just got to learn how to use our gifts differently. But whoever we are, and for all of us, a lot of the answer is to learn to wait. Psalm 37, verse 4. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. James 5, verse 7. Be patient, therefore, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, we consider those those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Wait for the Lord, keep his way, remain steadfast. Christianity is waiting. We wait with our eyes fixed on the Lord.